Everybody, welcome back in to the Section YY8 podcast. Negative Niece coming to you live. Well, not live. We're, we're recording. Um, Harb and I are live, but uh, I'm coming to you live from the Section YY8 studios. Harb's coming to you live from the Harbin headquarters. So, Double H. Say what? Double H. Double H. <laughs> Not triple H, just double H. You're definitely not, right in front. You're definitely not the game. You try to play the game, you're Who just says? not the game. Who says? That's the rumors going around. Well, I mean, you did get triggered. I, you got triggered yesterday. Hey, how's the old saying go? Believe none of what you hear and half of what you see. I, I guess. <laughs> So you did get triggered yesterday at the tailgate. I did a little. You did, did a little. little. <laughs> it was great. We won't get into the details of it, but Harbin was triggered at the tailgate yesterday. Pretty early on in the tailgate. Wasn't a lot of people there, but a little triggering moment. But he, he rebounded and got it. Well, semi got over it until it kept getting brought up over and over again by by multiple people. So <laughs> it well, was mostly pretty- you. Mostly me and Brett. So <laughs> then, then Undy and Landry showed up, and we had to let them know about it. And then they ragged you about it. So, oh well, it's all in good fun. We all get yes. triggered. We all get triggered. I was triggered in Neyland Stadium by watching Tennessee play football yesterday. Uh, I actually, um, I had something come up, and I left twenty seconds into the game. Um, we won, right? We did not. We didn't. I mean, we, we we went 75 yards on the first play. I figured we had it under control. Well, if that was the end of the game, you know, whoever scores first wins, Tennessee wins. But, unfortunately, they play 60 minutes. Oh, damn. So, yeah, we didn't win. Um, it was a rough, rough afternoon at Neyland Stadium. But we do get to hang a banner, Harbin. Um, by the yeah. way, it's just, it's just Nice and Harbin here tonight. Um, Day Day Vols on assignment in Epcot this weekend. Apparently Hamblin County gets the whole week off for Thanksgiving. I think wow. they, I think they trade some time later in the year. He told us yesterday at the game, um, for the whole week of Thanksgiving. So Day Day is on another Florida trip. Do they, do they get a whole week for fall break too? I think so. Jeez. Yeah, it's nice. It must be nice. Uh, Hamblin County's got it going on. If you're a teacher, you're looking yeah. for a good gig with a lot of time paid vacation. There you go. Shout out to the Lakeway area. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. Um, it was a rough afternoon for the volunteers. Um, but we did get we do get to hang a banner, Harbin. We set the I believe it's the world record for the loudest stadium at 137 decibels yesterday um i i'm guessing it was on the first defensive drive of the game for tennessee because that's after that it was not very loud the rest of the game because we really didn't have anything to be loud about but it was very loud ear piercing loud that that first possession when you know we scored on the 75 yard run gave georgia the football it was very loud. Um, it was one of the loudest times I've heard that place. Um, it 
would have made it better if it was like that the entire game. But again, we didn't have much to yell about on defense because I, I looked at Cruz one time. I think it was in the second quarter at some point. We were just we could not get off the field, which has been a reoccurring theme and something I'll talk about here in a minute. But I looked at Cruz. Cruz went to the game with with me yesterday, and I said, "Man, I ain't yelling no more when we're on defense till we start making some stops." Because it's like pointless at this point. I'm sitting here yelling, screaming, trying to help the defense out. I can't get off the field. So like, what's the point? You know what? Till they till they do their part, I ain't doing mine. So, um, and I know a lot of people have been critical of the offense, rightfully so. But I feel like it's my duty to be critical of the defense, and they've been they've been bad the last few weeks. And I know injuries play a lot of part in that, but. You know, it's November. Everybody's got injuries right now, and Tennessee's got a lot at key positions. But it's neither side of the football is complimenting the other side right now, and I think that's a, there's a lot of issues on both sides of the football for Tennessee right now. A lot of people are solely focused on one position, um, and it continues to be talked about, and it's going to continue to be talked about. That position is the quarterback, and that position has the football in their hands every play. And I understand that, but the defense has been bad the last few weeks. The running game has been inconsistent at best the last few weeks. The offensive line is a mess right now due to injuries and poor play. Uh, wide receiver is a mess due to injuries and poor play. Uh, it, this is the same thing that gets me going, Harbin, and I'll let you talk here in just a second. Um, this is the same thing that gets me fired up. Remember back during basketball last year when I was all riled up uh, or maybe it was baseball season, because Tennessee would lose a series, not play well, and it's like Tony Vitello got a free pass. Just let it, it's all right. But Rick Barnes doesn't. And I feel like a lot of that's going on here. And I'm, I'm not talking about coaching at this point, but one position, Joe Milton, is the sole focus of a percentage of this fan base and his supposed poor play has he been great no has he been terrible no but that's the only thing they talk about and there is so much other stuff going on with this team that is leading to the poor play here recently so i just i feel like it's my civic duty harbin to call out the poor play on the defense and er since everybody else just wants to talk about the offense i mean yeah um uh... Really, I mean, the last two weeks, um, there's not really been a bright spot anywhere on the football field for UT, just to put it bluntly. Um, and it starts up front. Uh, the O-line's gotten whooped. The the D-line has gotten zero pressure the last two weeks, and um, which a week and a half ago was arguably the two most important games on the schedule, you know, because – we still had everything in front of us, pending if Ole Miss could do anything. Obviously, it didn't. But, I mean, yeah, man. Like, when we scored on the very first play, it was awesome. Obviously, I was excited. And I never said it out loud, but I was like, this feels like a mirage, and I hope I'm wrong. And guess what? We got whooped 38-3 <laughs> to three after that. Um, Tennessee ran for 130 yards on 25 carries yesterday. 
But you take away uh, Jalen Wright's 75-yard run, uh, he had eight carries for 15 yards. Uh, Jabari Small had six carries for 25 yards. Dylan Sampson, two for nine. Then Cam Seldon in garbage time got three for 11. Um, and I understand it's Georgia, but that's bad. Um, as far as the passing game goes, Joe didn't play well, but we only threw it down the field, what, like three times while the game was still semi-intact. I mean, I don't know. It, it it's frustrating, but it, and I I put and I kind of put on a show, you know. I mean, obviously I get fired up, and obviously I'm confident, but this was always a bridge year, you know. And it's hard to say that now because we lost at least two games that we had a very good chance of winning. Um, you can throw in three if you include Missouri, but they beat us so bad that I can't even really include that game, to be honest with you. Um, but, yeah, um, you just got to focus on taking care of business against Vandy, and then we're going to be in Nashville or Charlotte, more than likely, or uh, Jacksonville or Tampa, I guess, is the four options for us. Um it's not really going to get anybody excited. Um, really, the only thing gets that's going to get people excited is uh, talking about who's going to play in it, just to be honest with you. But um, the secondary yesterday is what kind of irritated me the most. Um, it didn't even feel like Carson Beck had a spectacular game, but he went 24 of 30 for 298, three touchdowns, and probably 85% of that production was in the first half. And I can't tell you how many times it was third and six, third and nine, third and 13. And they ran a crossing route over the middle and somebody was wide open. Wasn't even Bowers most of the time. Um, see here, Bowers. Bowers had seven catches, uh, but it didn't feel like that many, personally. Um, Do you want to yeah. know – what UT's – I tweeted this last night. Do you want to know what UT's past defense has been like the past three SEC games? Awful. Opposing quarterbacks have thrown for 70, 72 of 94, which is 77%. This time last week it was 75%. So Carson Beck had an uptick for 1,009 yards. 72 of 94 for 1,009 yards. So the past three SEC games, which would be Kentucky – Alabama, uh, sorry, I think I've messed this one up. Um, I think it's the past four. I may have left the game out here. I'm going to have to go back and redo these stats. But there's three games. I believe this is the Alabama, Missouri, and um, no, you left Kentucky. Georgia game. I left Kentucky out. Um, so I need to go back and redo this, and I'll do that while you're you're doing your well, thing. But the, in those three combination of games here, it's still bad. 72 and 94 for 1,009 yards. Um, yeah, that's bad. It's been bad. Yeah. Um, which the Kentucky game is the only game that you can give a little grace towards that because that was our game plan. You know, just stuff the run and make Leary beat you. 
and yeah, he got some yards, but like it, it was, it was never, it never felt like it was going to be enough. Um, but every other game that we've just talked about, it's inexcusable. Personally, um, my prediction is Willie Martinez is probably going to get the axe. Um, hell, he might not. I don't know. I would, I would expect him to, because I just feel like they're going to have to do something to make people be like, okay, we're trying to make a change. Um, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't care. I wouldn't care if they scrapped everybody but Rodney Garner, to be honest with you. Um, I, that That's obviously the extreme assessment, but you know, I wouldn't be too upset with it. Um, and it's also so – and then here's the other way of looking at it, like, Tim Banks is a national semifinalist for assistant of the year. Yeah. Which, which if you've only listened to Tennessee fans, you'd think he's the worst coach in the country. Um, I don't know, man. That game yesterday just kind of sucked, sucked a good amount of life out of me. And the bad thing is it was semi-expected. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. I just figured we'd put up a little bit more of a fight than that, especially with it being at home. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was. I mean, I. I remember. I think we were talking uh, pregame. And by the way, um, quarterbacks against Tennessee the last four SEC games, eighty-four of one fourteen. That is 74% completion percentage. The past four games, that's Georgia, Missouri, Kentucky, Alabama. 84 of 114. I didn't have time to do the yardage, but it's probably a lot. Um, but, yeah, yesterday I didn't uh, – picking the game this past week, the line was 10.5. I think I said it on here, Georgia covers. I didn't hesitate on picking that line. I had no confidence – I thought we might hang around for a little while and, you know, make it interesting into the second half. We obviously, and I didn't know this until at some point during the tailgate yesterday that we were missing this many players. I don't know what happened. I don't remember these guys being injured last week, but offensive line, we were down two starters. Uh, Wesley, let's see, that was Mincy and what Campbell. And then, um, Obviously, you're missing Peely already from the linebacker core. I don't think he's going to play this year at this point. I thought he was supposed to be back weeks ago, but apparently not. Um, and then Wesley Walker was out yesterday. Um, and then the early on in the game, wasn't it? It wasn't McDonald that went down, was it? I can't remember who it was went down fairly early in the game. Um, his team, and this happens this year, and we heard Josh Hopple talk about it last night on the way home. You know, the sport don't care that you've got a lot of injuries, and it doesn't. I mean, but that's the difference, and I'll. this is something I wanted to hit on during today's show because Cruz and I talked about it last night in the stadium while we were there. And the known hater and loser, Vols Picks, has said this for a while. He only says it because it's not Pruitt's guys out there playing or that have been recruited, but – the point he makes is the depth of this team is not great. And it's not, and it's starting to show its head. There's a couple reasons why. One is we lost a lot last year, 
And two, you're starting to see the effects of Pruitt leaving in that disaster and the scholarship reduction. We're not playing we got it's like we got one hand tied behind our back in recruiting. And I was looking up at listener to the show, John Doty uh, sent sent this uh this morning. We were talking about this in a, a group chat um between us and I said, I'm really concerned, like looking forward with this program about our depth, because right now we don't have good depth to replace people when when it, there's an injury. And if you look at the scholarship distribution, this was from GoVols247. You know, I'm not talking about the quarterback position because we are all very well, well aware of who's playing there. But you, you look at running back, senior and junior. Right and small. Jalen Wright, I'd say he probably bolts after this year. I don't know. Did you see did you see the first run of the game? He ran away from those Georgia defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's had an outstanding year. Um, three freshman running backs, one sophomore, and Dylan Sampson. So a lot of a lot of young players at that position. Wide receiver, which has not been very good this year. You've got two seniors, Keaton and McCoy, both. McCoy could probably come back, a junior in Thornton, and then you've got one sophomore, and then the rest are freshmen. One, two, three, four, five, six freshmen. And two of them are playing a lot of key role minutes on this team, Nimrod and Webb. Then you look at the tight end position. There's two seniors, one junior, one sophomore, two freshmen. None of the others besides Castle and Warren, who are seniors, have played. Uh, then you go to offensive. I'm just going to go through the whole list here. When you go to offensive tackle. You've got a senior in Dade, Dane Davis, a senior in Crawford, a se- senior in Campbell, a junior in Mincy. Those guys have played pretty much the majority of the snaps this year. You got two freshmen and a sophomore that haven't seen a lot of day. Um, let's see. This is a outside linebacker. Or sorry. Uh, Offensive line, I'm sorry, skipped ahead there. Ollie Lane, not he stinks. You got Lampley, Mays, and Spragans, all seniors. You got Carrick as a junior. No sophomores. One, two, three, four, five freshmen. All right, let's go to the edge. Let's go to the defensive hey, side of the football. Real quick. Go ahead. Uh, Cruz had an all-time quote in the truck on the way back. He was talking about Ollie Lane. And... Yes. and he said, "He said no disrespect to Gibbs High School, which obviously this is a semi-Carter podcast, so disrespect <laughs> to Gibbs High School." Um, he said, "If you go, he said, if you go to Gibbs High School, he said, there's no doubt that you're probably a pretty good player." He said, "There's no way you should be playing significant minutes at the University of Tennessee ever." I'd say that about Carter too. No, oh, yeah. And absolutely. I'm a Carter Hornet, so there you oh, go. Yeah, Carter's in that same exact boat. <laughs> Unless you're uh, a freak athlete, this is not going to happen at, at these top schools. They're just small schools, rural schools. This rarely happens. It might happen once every blue moon. We hit it with Jordan Bowden playing basketball, but this is a different beast. You're right, and Cruz was right. Um, let's see, edge rushers. Seniors, Roman Harrison, Tyler Barron, no juniors. Two sophomores who have contributed pretty well. Um, Josephs and Pierce Jr. And you've got freshmen uh, Caleb Herring and Bradley. Bradley's never played. 
Um, so a lot of underclassmen there. Defensive linemen, you've got Carrick Garland, Elijah Simmons, Omar Thomas, or is that right? Omari, Omari Thomas, sorry. Um, three juniors, Omar Norm Norman Lott is really the only one that's been out there. Eason's played a little bit. Bailey's not played much at all. One sophomore, one, two, three, four, five freshmen who have not seen the field at all. Linebacker, three seniors, Beasley, Garland, and Peely. Peely's hurt. He could probably come back, I believe, due to medical red shirt. No juniors. Two sophomores, Elijah Herring and Perry, who got some action yesterday. Three freshmen. Cornerback, Warren Burrell, Danico Slaughter, Brandon Turnage, uh, Kamal Haddon, D. Williams, Gabe Judy Lolly, all seniors, juniors, Rucker, sophomore, Harris, Caleb Harrison, freshman, three of them, sophomores, juniors, freshmen, hadn't seen a lot of day. Um, that's concerning at that position. Safety, Jalen McCullough, uh, McDaniel or McDonald, and Wesley Walker. And then was this Caleb Charles, I believe, is a junior. Then you got two sophomores and two freshmen. Guys, that's it. Um, even our even our kicker is a senior. Um, so but you're starting to see there's a gap there. Like there's like a two-year gap here where players bolted this university, bolted this program after the Pruitt debacle, and we're dealing with a scholarship production. So it it was kind of overshadowed last year because of really good players that developed under that were brought in by Pruitt, developed under Heupel, that led to a really great season. We caught lightning in a bottle. We always said this year was going to be kind of a bridge year, but I looking at this roster and how some of you know who's contributing and who's in the shadows. I'm not sure that next year is going to be much better, to be honest, unless. Because this is a game changer in college athletics now, you hit the portal. That's the only way I'm confident right now. I don't care if Nico plays quarterback or whoever plays quarterback. I'm concerned about our depth next year, offensive line and on the defensive side of the football. There's going to be a lot of new faces playing football next year for Tennessee. And whether it's <laughs> Whether it's underclassmen coming up or by via the transfer portal, um, Josh Heupel's got a big offseason ahead of him, and I don't want to look. Well, I'm looking past Vandy. Um, he's got a big offseason in front of him because the injuries that we've seen over the last few weeks, the lack of good grown-up depth behind these these players has reared its ugly head over the last couple of weeks. It has really come to show us when you play good teams is when it happens. We can mask it and get away with it this week against Vandy, but you're not going to get away with it when you play Georgia and Alabama. And Missouri's good this year. I'm not saying they're a good overall program, um, but they're a good football team this year. You're not going to get away with it, and it showed the last few weeks. Sad. Yeah, it's extremely sad, and you're, you're – exactly right um it's definitely gonna be tough um we're 100 gonna have to hit the portal um and unfortunately it's looking like we're gonna have to hit it in a lot of areas if we're wanting to have a pretty decent year next year um but it's just like four and five stars it's not a guarantee that they're gonna be worth the flip um 
hate to say it, but you see that with Thornton. His highlight tape when he committed to Tennessee from Oregon, everybody was like, man, we have hit the absolute jackpot. And he's made like two plays all year. I mean, he's just not – I don't – for whatever reason, he's just not done anything except that catch at Missouri. Yeah, and he scored against Florida. I don't know if he's done yeah. anything. Else. So, yeah. Um, See, the difference right now between us and Georgia, which we all saw what happened last year, and we, I think, recruited at a pretty high level. But the difference in Tennessee and Georgia right now is is Georgia, obviously, we know how they recruit, very high level. But they've been able to build up their program over the past few years, and it's not like when Kirby Smart came in, the cupboard was bare. When Josh Heupel came here, this program was in disarray. And I think he's done a very good job of keeping it balanced, keeping everything intact. I mean, is he likely going to go eight and four this year? Um, when we looked at this program a few years ago, we would be ecstatic about, oh, man, we won eight games. We're going to win eight games. We're going to win seven, 11, and eight in three years. I think we would all take that. But you look at the fan base last night, I know it's always worse after a loss, about how down Tennessee's been and how poorly this team has been coached this year and managed. And there has been some aspects of it that I think they should do different, but – um the difference between us and Georgia right now is if they have a player go down, they've got a four and a five star waiting in the wings. We've got freaking maybe four and five star freshmen, some of them, but mainly probably three and four stars that haven't played any football. And it's just the difference in those programs right now. We don't have that quality depth, which I've been saying is a really key aspect that Hopple's got to, is having to do while also coach on the field He's had to rebuild this roster, and I'm just afraid. You know, you use you usually see a program in year three and four really start to settle in. This is what this program is going to be like. I don't think Tennessee's at that point yet. I think Tennessee's still at a point where it's. I don't. People don't want to hear this, but it's rebuild mode. It is absolutely rebuild mode. Now you can mask a lot of that and put band aids on it with the transfer portal. You can. And maybe Tennessee does that, and I think they'll try. Um, but they've got a hit on some of these guys in the transfer, transfer portal if they go that route because if not, they're going to be relying on a lot of young and unproven football players next year. And it worries me. And I think Josh Hopple's done a really good job here. Um, and I think he will continue to do a good job here. I think – you Harbin, I think we may have talked about this last night. I can't remember somebody and I did. If Butch Jones or Derek Dooley or Jeremy Pruitt was the coach of this team this year, they are not winning eight games. No, absolutely. No way. No. I think Hopple and the and the defense, give them credit here. They won the Texas AM game. Um the offense won, I felt like, won the uh Kentucky game. Milton, Sampson played really well. I felt like they won that game. But they're not complimenting each other at all right now. And I just, you know, that this program's got a lot to work on in the offseason. We'll have a lot to talk about in the offseason as far as recruiting and roster structure go. But I'm uh, very nervous about this football program. Not the direction that it's going under Heupel, but just where it's at right now because of restrictions we have on us and the hand we've been dealt. 
Yeah. I mean, obviously it don't help. And going back to what you said, um, uh, what you said about the portal being a band-aid, I think is a perfect way of putting it. Because if you hit the portal and hit it well, that can turn a seven or eight win season into a nine or 10 win season. Um, but if you look at all the, at the top of the top in college football, the Georgias, the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, uh, those teams very rarely bring in portal players that play a lot. Yeah. I mean, and Kurt, uh, I remember a video from months ago, Kirby was actually talking about it. He's like, he's like, you can't, he's like, you can't build a program with guys that they come in for one year and then they're gone. He said, you gotta, you gotta have four year guys. And some of them are going to sit for two or three years. He said, but it's, it's in the best interest of them and the program that you're ready when they're, when their time comes. And eventually I believe we'll get at least close to that. I don't know if we'll get to that point. That's pretty high bar in my opinion, but yeah, as of right now, I mean, we're just not there as much as it hurts to say, we're just, we're just not. And we've had, we've had some setbacks from previous regimes and other reasons. But, I mean, nobody cares about excuses. Everybody just wants to see results. Um, so this year and next year, in my opinion, is just kind of steady the ship and keep a little bit of momentum. That way you can actually get a little bit of depth in and then start doing what you do. And then I think we'll have an accurate assessment on where this program's at. Yeah, I agree. I think everybody looks to Alabama and Georgia have ruined it for everybody else because they, you know, they recruit at such a high – I mean, they're one, two, three, or four every year in recruiting. And it's not that Tennessee recruits poorly. I mean, what were we, top 12 or 13? I mean, there's 130. That's also like seventh in the SEC. Right. I mean, that's you look at it, that's a hundred, there's 130 something FBS teams, and Tennessee's in the top 15 every year in recruiting. But you're right, that's five, six, or seventh in the conference. And you're and you're talking like percentage points difference in these teams. Um it's not, never ever be lower than twelve to fifteen in recruiting. Ever. No, no. With the resources and the history. Just the whole nine yards. I mean, I th- I truly think I could get us a top twenty-five. One hundred percent. I mean, you're right. The that T sells itself is a lot. That's that's a game. I mean, that's big in the game too. But I mean, I think everybody looks at Georgia and Alabama, and you know, I do too. I'm jealous, and I was like, man, what? Burkhart said this tonight. It's like, what's it like to be a Georgia fan? It's like almost right now they're just like, oh, we got another game. You know they're they're so spoiled right now, and even in Alabama as well. But a lot of people, and myself included, sometimes you look at Alabama and Georgia, and you're like, man, if we could recruit and be in the top five every year, we can we can play with these guys. And I just think sometimes that's unrealistic because there's only so many players to go around, and the top players in the country want to go to those two programs because they know they're going to have a chance to win at a high level, and they're going to probably have a good chance to go to the next level. And that draws to that. And I think 
players could come here and do that same thing, but it's trying to do that on a consistent basis. It's hard. I mean, there's only two schools that do that. Well, three, you throw Ohio State in there. There's only three or four schools that do that, and right now we're not one of them. And we're on the doorstep knocking on it as far as recruiting goes, but that's where – I hope, and I think they are, you know, they got a commitment today from a three-star cornerback. You know, is he going to turn out and be good? Maybe. But it doesn't draw that same pop as that oh, we got a five-star cornerback cor- that were, that that committed. So that's what Tennessee's fighting right now. They're, they're a little limited in what they can go get and how many, and they're still fighting against – Georgia and Alabama in their conference. And even, you know, LSU recruits at a high level. They're in a great state for recruiting. Georgia's in a great state for recruiting. Alabama just recruits everywhere. But so does Tennessee. You know, Tennessee's got North Carolina next door that they can go knocking on the door to. Um, They're close to South Carolina. And they should and hopefully draw a lot of in-state talent if they can can keep them from leaving the state. But – it's a challenge, and Tennessee and Josh Heupel have got a lot of work to do in that area to to continue to rebuild this program because it's a rebuild in progress. I hate to I hate to say it out loud, but it's still a rebuild. Whether we want to hear that or not, that's what it is, unfortunately. And I think at this point, we were all hopeful that it wasn't, but they've just. I mean, they're still playing guys that have been here for three and four years. And there's a lot of freshmen and sophomores waiting in the wings, but are they ready next year? Maybe they are, and we just don't know it. But I think they're going to have to hit the portal this offseason if they want to be, if they want to compete for eight to ten wins next year. They're going to have to do that. Otherwise, it's a six, it's a six to eight win program right now, depending on the schedule who you play. And I think next year's schedule could be favorable. I mean, you go to Arkansas, you've got Kentucky, who's Kentucky, you've got Vandy, but then you still got Georgia, Alabama. I don't know what Florida is going to be like. I mean, we can't beat them, even though they stink. Um, but then you've got you've got some cupcakes in there: Kent State, Chattanooga. Um, so I mean, you've got you've got five or six wins in there. Oklahoma, that's crapshoot. I mean, nobody really knows how good they are, um, and how good they'll be next year, right? We don't know, and and a lot of it depends on this eight million dollar quarterback we got. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is has a lot to do with it. Um, I think a lot of people think he's just uh, the Hawaiian Messiah, or or what do we call him? The Polynesian. We called him the Polynesian Jesus Polynesian, or something. Polynesian Prince, I believe. Polynesian Prince. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> he he could be. A day one killer, but we could also go through some very rough uh, um, growing pains. I mean, it's just how it is, man. Um, yeah. Five star quarterbacks hit at about a fifty percent clip. I've said that multiple times, and I, I hope he is the man. I hope he's the best damn quarterback that we've ever had here. Um, but I'm also looking at semi realistic. I mean. He could go out there and be a dud, you know. I mean, I remember about 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, uh, Blake Barnett was – he was one of the highest-ranked quarterbacks coming out of college ever. I mean, highest-ranked quarterbacks coming out of high school ever. Uh, he goes to Alabama, never sees the field. 
Uh, long story short, he ended up at like UNLV, and yeah, it's just not even good there. You know, then you have guys that you that nobody's ever heard of. They're two and three star guys that come out and are Heisman contenders. So I mean, there's a ton of variables, and it, it's pretty much crapshooting. You never know, but. Obviously, when you pay seven or eight million dollars, you you're like you better be the damn guy. Yeah, he's gonna have a lot of pressure on him, and I, you know, I don't want to leave this part out, but this off season, and again, I don't, I am looking ahead past Vandy, and we'll talk about Vandy shortly, but um, this is a big off season too coming up for Tennessee in the player development department because all those freshmen and sophomores have got to get better and get ready to play and contribute next year. I'm not saying all of them will start, but for, in order for that depth to get better and, and grow, they've got to have a good offseason. And that starts with those 15 extra practices you get for the bowl game and going into the winter and the spring. So this is a big offseason for Tennessee and the future of the program. You know, do they do they struggle next year and fight to win six games or with a lot of young talent, or do they hit the portal and upgrade some key positions and quarterback plays really good and they're fighting for eight to 10 wins. I don't know at this point, we'll just have to wait this off season and find out, but you know, player development recruiting this off season is huge in my book. Just after these last two or three weeks, looking at this team from the kind of taking a good year blimp view of them. Uh, it's a big off season for this program. So the ball's got the commode doors coming up this uh, Saturday, Harbin, uh, to finish out the season. Vols are currently sitting at seven and four, three and four in the conference with Vandy coming to town. A couple questions for you about this upcoming game. I think we think we all think and would assume Tennessee wins this game. Lines opening line was minus 23 in favor of the Vols. I saw that this afternoon. Does that surprise you any? Mm, not really. Um, it's too low. Um, should be 63. Um, we're going 69 to six. So I'm looking here at, um, offensive stats, you know, as bad as everybody says, Tennessee's been offensively, they're still fifth in the conference in total offense, <laughs> 30 points a game. Um, rushing is down, but at 205 yards a game, um, passing is at 232 a game. So balanced, but just not good enough. But, you know, you're behind LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Missouri. You're ahead of Florida, Alabama, A&M, South Carolina, Auburn, Kentucky, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Vandy's in dead last in total offense. Um, so that's what I keep going back to is, it's just not last year, but as bad as everybody says it is, not good. The stats don't say that um, with Tennessee football, but I digress. Um, so my questions to you are, besides the the line for the game, uh, one, what are you looking for this Saturday from the volunteers? And two, what do you think – the crowd will be like Saturday. And I'm not talking about from a a decibel meter loudness standpoint. I'm talking about will there be a lot of people there? You know, what's the atmosphere going to be like? Um, and 
you know, notably this game is on obviously Thanksgiving weekend. So a lot of students go home. And I remember even when I was in school at UT, you're playing Vandy this weekend. Um, it's Thanksgiving weekend. A lot of, a lot of people go home uh, and the crowd was even back then in the two thousands under Philip former was, you know, notably sp more sparse that weekend. Um, but what do you think? What are you looking forward to this weekend with this game? What do you think the crowd will be like? Uh, first and foremost, um, a resemble of a pulse anywhere. Um, to show that you can finish the season on a high note after getting dismantled two weeks in a row. Um, I think if we come out and just like busted them, by a million um it would say i think i think it would say quite a bit about the program truthfully um obviously vandy is like bradley central but if you come out and you dominate i think it does kind of kind of give a good omen for for where this thing is headed um as far as the crowd goes uh it's gonna be sleepy um but I still think there'll be a good amount of people there just with it being the final game of the year and um, with it being senior day and whatnot. I'd say it'll probably be kid-heavy. Uh, I'd say a lot of people um, that don't have kids or whatnot will probably get rid of their tickets, um, be an opportunity for kids that potentially haven't been to an SEC matchup before, get to go to a game. Um I don't think attendance will be super low. Um, it's technically sold out, is it not already? Um, not sure. I haven't seen anything officially, but I would assume if it's not, it's close. So they're they'll they'll ninety nine percent announce a sellout. Obviously, not every seat will be filled. Um, I don't know a real number. There's at least gonna be ninety there. And in my opinion, I mean, it's crazy, but you get 90,000 people to Vanderbilt after getting beat a combined, what, 74 to 14 or 17 in your last two games. Yeah. It's pretty damn good, you know. Um, we don't think it is, but it is. Um, but, yeah, there'll still be a good amount of people there. Um it won't be super sleepy because 3.30, if it was at noon, this would be a nightmare, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be awful. That but, is a good point you bring up. This is a 3.30 kickoff, so it's not – people don't have to get down there super early. You can get down there around lunchtime, tailgate for a couple, three hours, and then go to the game, and then you're at home at a decent hour. And it's it's the holiday weekend, so not a lot of people will be at work. But um, I just think if it was a noon game or even a 7 o'clock kickoff, you would lose a lot of people. I think this 3.30 kickoff might have more people come out than probably normally would for those extreme either early or late games that we could have had for this. I'm glad it's at 3.30. What do you think the tailgate will be like? Uh, the tailgate is probably going to be a little lot. Um... Sad. It is sad. Um, the only glimmer of hope is it's the last one of the year. 
So people might come out and have a ball, you know, because um, I doubt a lot of people that we know will be traveling to the bowl game. Just keeping it real. Uh, I'm unless it falls into my lap, I won't be. If it's in Nashville, there I could probably get given a ticket and I won't go. But I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I you know I haven't really thought about where we're going or even really looked at bowl predictions much. I'll do that after after uh, season's over. But I just talking to people over the last you know week or so. Um, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, I can't remember who it was. You going if they go down there, you going like to I think it was the Gator Bowl because the Gator Bowl, uh, two guys wearing polos, not polos, sports coats. That's two totally different things, niece. Um, walk by uh with the Gator Bowl patch on their on their jacket. And uh somebody asked me, he said, Are you going if we go to that, right? And I was like, uh, probably not. I mean, we went down there a few years ago when we played Iowa. That's a fairly long drive um i i don't know i could maybe see myself going to the game in charlotte maybe going to nashville um because i didn't go to the opening game there in nashville this year i don't even know what day that falls on either of those games i've always said if tennessee went to the liberty bowl i needed to go to that one um i brought that up a couple weeks ago and i got little to no response from i was kind of throwing it out there as a test yeah. Oh, yeah. We can go to Memphis for a day or two, and you know, I've never been to the Liberty Bowl. I've been by it, seen it, but you know, I, a lot of it depends on who who we play, when it's when the game's played. But I I just don't see myself probably going to a bowl game this year. Um, I just remember last year what we went through to to go to the Orange Bowl. I expended a lot of energy going to that game last year and getting tickets, getting plane tickets. The fiasco with the plane tickets going down there, getting our flight canceled and having to drive 15-plus hours to get to the Orange Bowl, going to the game the next day, and then coming back <laughs> two days later. It was expended a lot of energy going to that game. So um, I hate to say that I'm to the point where I don't want to go to a game unless it's a bigger bowl game, but I've I've been to Music City Bowl. I've been to the Gator Bowl. Um you know, wouldn't mind going back to Tampa to the Outback Bowl, but I don't know that a lot of people would be going to that game either. So, um, you know, Charlotte would be easy because it's close. Family's over there, crash with them and go to the game. But I don't know. We'll figure that out when it happens, where we where we go. I just – I hate to see us go back to Nashville because we played there in 21. We played there to open the season this year. Um. You know, let's let's go like send us to the Liberty Bowl. What's wrong with going and playing in the Liberty Bowl if you're if you've got eight wins? It's all right. It's a it's a old bowl. It's a different place. We haven't been since nineteen eighty six, I believe was the last time we played in the Liberty Bowl in a bowl game. We've played in that stadium against Memphis State and Ole Miss since then, but um not for a bowl game. I think the last time we played there. I'll have to look this up, Harbin. Last time we played there, 1986 against Maryland, maybe. I'll have to look that up. Well, why don't you I kill some probably, time for me? I, yeah, I can do that. Uh, I could probably actually get talked into a little trip to the Liberty Bowl. Um, 
good friend and uh, um, devout listener of the show, Luke Scalf, uh, him and his wife, McKinley, live in Memphis now. Uh, they're repping the 901 on the daily. Um, so we probably was... get a trip together and hang out with them. So that, that could be potentially nice. That could be um, good. I've got I've got some connections in the Memphis area. So uh, I was wrong on the team. Right on the first letter of the team, it was Minnesota. Tennessee won. Tennessee, uh, let's see, beat Minnesota 21-14. Um, MVP of the game was quarterback Jeff Francis. Um, the head coach of Minnesota was John Gutkunz. I don't know how you say his name. Say that one more time. <laughs> I'm not saying that again. <laughs> it's spelled G U T E K U N S T. Tennessee was Tennessee was six and five that season. So there you go. Um, I think like just from an entertainment standpoint, the matchup. That would get me the most excited is if we went to Charlotte and played North Carolina. That would be that, good. That's probably the one that I would get the most excited for. Well, well, the, depending on if Drake May would even play in the bowl game, because a lot of a lot of highly rated uh, draft prospects half of them don't even play in bowls anymore. So that yeah. one might even be off the table. Um, God. The one I, I don't want to play Iowa. No, it's so boring. Like, and they're like, good. They're good. Like, don't get me wrong, but like, it would just be so so boring, in my opinion. Hell, that dink and dunk us to death all night. The way our defensive <laughs> backs are playing right now, a little run, two or three yard rush, five yard pass here and there, and march right down the field. You know, literally, that's kind of what Georgia did yesterday. They didn't hit any like big big plays. They like you said, he's third and eight, and there's a slant across the middle, wide open, or Beck would avoid pressure and dump it off, and they'd run five or six yards. I mean, it's just little things like that. But yeah, you're right. Maybe Iowa, maybe Iowa will win the Big Ten and not have to come down and play yeah. in one of these bowls. Uh, switching gears, kind of just really quick. Uh, speaking of Tennessee and North Carolina, uh, we it is currently. 10.59 Eastern Standard Time on Sunday night. And Joshua Dobbs and Ty Chandler are running all over the Denver Broncos right now. Yes, uh, they are. And it is pretty damn cool to see. Uh, Dobbs is having a decent game. He threw a pick earlier, but he's 18-24 for 200 yards, touchdown to pick. Yeah. 19 rushing yards, but he got a rushing touchdown. And Ty Chandler has 73 rushing yards and 37 receiving yards. You know, I did not know he was up there until about a week or two ago. I had no idea Ty Chandler was playing for the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, Dobbs, everybody knows his story right now. Kind of the Cinderella story of the NFL season. He's um, – I wouldn't necessarily say he's – playing at a high level but he has really kind of energized that team and really uh i mean they're six and four what have they won five in a row something like that with uh, Kirk yeah. cousins injury i mean it's it's kind of crazy to be honest because i you know my 
cousin Zach, listener of the show, he him and his wife and his dad and you know some of their friends, big Vikings fans. And um, I remember talking to him a few weeks ago. And like, man, they're just not they're not playing well right now. It's not looking great. And here they are at six and four now with it's getting late in the game, a chance to go seven and four. And a lot of you can contribute that a lot to Joshua Dobbs coming in and he's had two really good games <laughs> right out of the gate with extenuating circumstances. I mean, he wasn't even supposed to play that first game. He'd just gotten to town, led him to a win in Atlanta, and then beat the Saints last week. Played really well against New Orleans. But, yeah, that is uh, that is cool to see. I'm not a Minnesota fan, but I am kind of finding myself rooting for him. I do love their uniforms, by the way. They're yeah, wearing – their their road uniforms are some of my favorites. Those purple pants and the white jerseys with the uh, purple helmets – Fantastic. Um, I wish I wish Tennessee would wear orange pants and white jerseys on the road more. I just we've not done that enough um this year. And then we've been on we only did it one game against uh Missouri. Um maybe if we get in a bowl game, we're declared the visitors, we'll wear that. Because when we played last time we were in the Music City Bowl, we were the visiting team. We wore all white, which I love the all white, but I don't know. I like those orange pants on the road with the white tops. Here I go again on a jersey tangent, Harbin. Uh, by the way, the Minnesota Vikings are undefeated while Justin Jefferson has been out of action. That's crazy. Uh, one of the league. Is it time to start the narrative? What's the narrative? Is Justin Jefferson the issue in Minnesota? Many are asking. <laughs> Many are asking, and I, I might start to be the one to answer it. By the way, uh, we're kind of starting to ramble here, but yeah. I've had a theory for about two years that is really starting to gain some traction, I think. Um, T. Higgins is going to leave Cincinnati after this year. Uh, I think he's going to go somewhere like Buffalo or somewhere. They're going to give him a lot of money. Like a contender needs a wide receiver. Justin Jefferson is not going to re-sign with the Minnesota Vikings. And he is going to reunite with Burrow. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase in Cincinnati and get the wow. together. And that will be, if Joe Burrow can stay healthy, that will be one of the craziest three-headed monsters of all time. Talk about a dynamic duo at the wide receiver position. Man, they would be. Um, yeah, not, we are rambling a little bit. So to keep us on track here, I'm going to guide us back onto the train tracks, Harbin, uh, Tennessee basketball. We can't, uh, leave these guys out. Um, they're over in, uh, Hawaii right now, getting ready to play in the Maui Invitational starts this week. Uh, the Vols play Monday, 2.30 Eastern time against the orange, orange men. I still call them the orange men. Um, Syracuse, uh, Monday, 2.30. If they win, they play the winner of Purdue and Gonzaga. Purdue and Gonzaga play at um, 5 o'clock Eastern time, I believe. So, they're the game after the Tennessee game. So, I was telling my dad this earlier, earlier today. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year, not just because it's Thanksgiving and the turkey and all that, uh, football on Thursday and Friday and Saturday all weekend, basketball. There is basketball on all week this week. They call it Feast Week. Um, there is a ton of holiday tournaments going on, and Tennessee's probably in the best one. On paper, it could be the best one ever. 
um, as far as the teams that are in it. You Tennessee, Marquette, Gonzaga, Purdue, Kansas. Um, I mean, just a completely loaded field. I mean, you, it's like we said a couple weeks ago, you could go 0-3, 1-2 and, and not have a bad loss on your schedule. Now, if Tennessee goes – if Tennessee loses tomorrow or on Monday against Syracuse, I would consider that a bad loss because they're not – they're not the Syracuse of old. They're not good right now. Um, uh, so, um, according to the two different sports books that I've looked up, um, Tennessee is a 13 and a half point favorite to, uh, for Monday's action against the Orange. Um, and they, and according to ESPN's matchup indicator, they have a 90.1% chance to win the game. Yeah, I I figured. I I looked at them up. I haven't looked this past week, but Syracuse was in the one hundreds on Ken Palm, um. So they're not, they're they're not the Syracuse of old by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, Syracuse is three and zero. Uh, they have defeated the University of New Hampshire, eighty three to seventy two. Uh. And I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Is it Canisius? Canisius. Very good. Uh, they defeated the Canisius. I don't um, know what they are. I don't know what Canisius is. <laughs> this might be my favorite logo of all time. Um, we might have to put this on the YouTube. I need um, to look them up. I might try to find that and put it on there. Hell, I'm trying to spell it right now. Um, the Golden Griffins. Yeah, so what in the world logo, is the Golden Griffin? It is it essentially looks like a lion's body, but it has <laughs> talons with large gold wings and a bald eagle's head, but it also has like werewolf ears. It's a it's kind of like there's an episode of The Office where Michael Scott uh talks about uh an an animal that he made up and how they've it's like a combination of all these animals or some kind of mystic creature. And it's just the like craziest thing. It kind of reminds me of what he was talking about. Um, I'm trying to look up what is a golden Griffin. All right. So Petey, the Griffin is their mascot. Petey is an anthropomorphic golden Griffin who performs live at all Canisius athletic events. Canisius adopted the nickname Golden Griffins for their school athletic teams in 1932 in honor of Great Lakes explorer LaSalle's ship, Le Griffon. Hmm. Or Le Griffin for mascot boys. Le Griffin. Le Griffin. That's what we start calling a big Montana's uh, boy, Le Griffin. Le Griffin. Uh, (laughs) What's up, Le Griffin? So Syracuse defeated the Golden Griffins eighty nine to seventy seven, and then uh, they squeaked by Colgate seventy nine seventy five. So they are three and zero. They've taken care of business. Haven't exactly looked very good doing so. Uh, and like you said, they're in the they're in the triple digits in Ken Palm. And last I checked, we're top five. I think I don't know where we are in Ken Palm. Uh, right now, Tennessee is number nine. Oh, well, never mind. So, uh, Andy Katz did have his number one. Yeah, five. um, uh, I, 
Yeah, Andy Katz had he moved Tennessee up to number one. Joe Lenardi's got Tennessee as a one seed in his early bracketology for what you can take that for what it's worth. Um, you know, rankings were what seventh in the polls, a ninth by I go a lot by Ken Palm. Of course, it's early, it's a small sample size. I mean, everybody in front of them is undefeated, and everybody mostly behind them is undefeated. Um, but this the the field, we talked about this a few weeks ago, talking about the Maui invitational. The field, according to the Ken Palm rankings, you got Purdue at number two, Kansas number four, Gonzaga number seven, Tennessee number nine, Marquette number eleven. Um, I'm trying to think who else is in that tournament besides see Syracuse. I'm not counting Chaminade. Syracuse currently is oh can't find them, Harbin. That's not good. Here I go again. Well, anyways, I'll find them. But uh, yeah, they're last I looked, they were in the 100s. They're 109th in Ken Palm. Yeah. This Ken Palm saying Vermont is number 109. Oh, it was just a guess because you was taking. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll go with it, that. It's close enough. What's the difference between 109? Uh, and nothing. You're right. Uh, by the way, Missouri SEC lost to Jacksonville State today in the basketball world. If you're curious, they if you did. keep up with that sort of thing. By the way, um, if you're in the Twitterverse and you like college basketball, you have to follow John Roth Rothstein. Uh, it's just great follow. Um, Arkansas lost a bye game to UNC Greensboro. Uh, Arkansas has had some has some pretty high hopes this season. Uh, in the words of John and Rothstein, it's the epitome of brutality. He made a good point. I, I follow him on on Twitter or the X, whatever you want to call it. Um, Tennessee scored 82 against Wofford and scored um, against um, Wisconsin last week, scored 80. Um, he said, what a huge culture change that is for Tennessee under Rick Barnes, especially from the last few years, that they're scoring 80 points. We'd gotten so used to them, bat 60s and maybe 70s was about as high as you would get with them, but um, these guys can score. They got some scores on the court. Um, so... Here's Syracuse. I found him. 115. 115. So you weren't far off. Here's a surprise team that I think I'm not necessarily afraid of them, but they're making a little noise early on out of the SEC is South Carolina. They're at 59 in Ken Palm. And of course, since he doesn't play them for a while. So um, but yeah, it's uh that's a kind of a surprise I keep hearing about through the college basketball circles. Um, South Carolina out of the SEC. We don't play them until March the 6th. Um, and South Carolina is currently 5-0 and with wins over South Carolina Upstate, Virginia Tech, VMI, DePaul, and Grand Canyon University. So, you know, no no killers on there, but they are 5-0. and So, take that for what it's worth. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to the games this week. Uh Tennessee plays Monday, 2.30. If they win, they play Purdue, Gonzaga winner. That should be a great game in itself on Monday. And then uh, Tennessee versus Gonzaga or Purdue would be fantastic. <clears throat> and then Kansas is right in there. So, if you if you win two games, Kansas win two games, you're playing them for the title. Um, so, either way, you're going to be playing 
some good quality opponents this week. So there's a chance to play Marquette, um, chance to play Kansas, Purdue, Gonzaga. So um, good test. And and please, for God's sakes, please, I'm talking to people, not you, Harbin. If Tennessee loses a game, please don't overreact. It is November. It's not even December yet. If Tennessee loses to Kansas, if Tennessee loses to Purdue, Hell, if Tennessee even loses to Syracuse, please, for God's sakes, don't overreact and start calling out every wart on this team, every little uh, – it is way too early in the season for that. This is a good litmus test for the Vols. They've already had a couple good ones at Michigan State, at Wisconsin. They passed those two tests with, I would say, flying colors. They look good. And I don't – they may go and lose to – Purdue or Gonzaga if they win tomorrow. So what? So what? It'd be great to win it. It's a resume game. Who cares if you lose it? It's one game in November, and I know we'll have a portion of this fan base that'll grumble and moan and complain about Rick Barnes. I just I'm so sick of it. This fan I'm I'm I am I'm so sick of this fan base right now. I guess it's just It's just aggravating. I mean, people were complaining yesterday about Joe Milton throwing a ball 10 yards out of the end zone with – we had, what, seven seconds on the clock? And Georgia had all of their defenders standing in the – at the goal line, daring Tennessee to throw the ball in the field of play with no timeouts, seven seconds on the clock. There's no way Tennessee passes the ball, gets a first down, gets lined up, spikes it in time to kick a field goal. Joe Milton did the absolute right thing and threw the ball out of the end zone where nobody could catch it. The only people that could catch it was was row one in the south or the north end zone. And people were on the on social media last night reaming him out about it. I mean, how stupid can you be? Do you not know sports? Do you not know football? Be more educated. Seriously. It was ridiculous. I was reading it last night, and I lost brain cells looking at some of the comments. And Tyler Bray, this is my hater and loser of the week, Tyler Bray was one of them. He said, oh, well, he can throw it 80 yards. Well, I got on there and put uh, – wasn't he the one that threw beer bottles from a balcony, or was that Jonathan Crompton, or was, was Tyler, Bray. Tyler Bray on a jet ski throwing beer bottles or something? I can't remember. Good grief. Um, I'm looking forward to Tennessee's matchup in Chapel Hill next week. Yes, that'll be good. Uh, <laughs> switching it up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I saw a little bit of uh, North Carolina play the other night. I forgot who they was playing, but they just look way better than they have the last couple of years. Like they just look competent. That there and there was a clip that went around. Um on Twitter. Um it, it was a sequence that was just beautiful basketball. There was a big time block and then a fifty foot skip bounce pass and then an absolute poster. Um they've got some they've got some dudes. So hey I'm looking at the uh, a great test. I'm looking at the BPI. North Carolina's fifty four percent chance to win that game against Tennessee next week. I mean, you, you don't just walk into Chapel Hill expecting a victory. I mean, and I, I've always kind of, you know, watched – I've always kind of been a closet fan of North Carolina basketball. I just – just I've always, I don't know, kind of watched them. 
Um, and I'm excited Tennessee's playing them. I wish it was here again, but maybe we'll get a return match here in the next few years. But that's going to be a tough game. North Carolina's college basketball is better when North Carolina's good. And I'm glad because last year kind of stunk. I mean, they, they had a bad year. I'm glad they're kind of back up there again because it's we need somebody to offset Duke <laughs> over there, and that's the team to do it. But yeah, that should be a cool matchup here in here in a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, we're starting to get in the thick of it for college basketball. Um, love me some college hoops. I, lo- I love a good, I love a good rivalry game. Good rivalry game in college hoops that has like. We don't get it as much as we used to, but like the games that have like legitimate bad blood, like like the guy like you have a starting power forward that absolutely hates the other shooting guard just because he's wearing a different color. Yeah, like I hate to keep talking about North Carolina because I personally I hate them and Duke. You know, everybody's like, "Oh, you got to pick a side." No, I don't. No, you I don't. don't. I don't like either one of them. Um, but those matchups in like the, the mid two thousands were peak in my, or or at least in my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, The nineties was good too. Yeah, I'm sure they were. Um, but like that game where Tyler Hansborough got the bloody nose and then absolutely dominated, you know, like that was very fun. And then even after that, when the rivalry kind of died off a little bit, like Austin Rivers game winner in Chapel Hill. Like that stuff's fun. Like, yeah, I just appreciate a good rivalry game. Uh, speaking of rivalry games, uh, I'm gonna pander a little bit. My hater and loser of the weeks, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams once again. There you go. <laughs> uh, UCLA pretty much said, "Hey, we're getting rid of Chip Kelly at the end of the year," and roughly 48 hours after they announced that, UCLA pummeled. USC. Wait a minute. I hadn't heard this. UCLA's get parting ways with Chip Kelly. I haven't heard this. I don't think I dreamed that. I, I I don't you may not. I hope you didn't, but I had not heard that. God dang, maybe I Well, didn't. this says is Chip Kelly's job safe after UCLA's stunning win over USC. I swear I thought. So there's reports out there, but so yeah. you're not totally wrong. Well, anyway, it, at the very at the very least, there were heavy rumors about Chip Kelly losing his job. And then Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams just get absolutely pummeled by him. Um I am a fan of this downfall. Um somebody put it. somebody put on Twitter. They said um which don't care where you stand on this statement they said Lincoln Riley is going to go eight and four, seven and five with arguably the number one pick in the draft. And Josh Apple's going to yeah. go eight and four with Joe Milton. And that's SEC. a fair point. That's a fair point. So, so, yeah, those are my haters and losers of the week. They could be that every week, in my opinion. Maybe a oh, Caleb, I know why they lost. Caleb Williams forgot to paint his fingernails. Oh, well, that's probably it. Yeah, I mean, and think about it. I mean, with these four fingers, UCLA would fit perfect. So maybe you should have done that, and they could have got a win. 
maybe. <laughs> I do like seeing UCLA or USC not live up to expectations. I can't stand that place. I don't really have anything against them. I just don't like them, but whatever. Uh, so, um, no, those uh, throwback jerseys that UCLA wore against Colorado a few weeks back were fantastic. So good. Fantastic. Um, I remember when Tennessee played out there in 97, they had – those uniforms were good back then. They need to go back to them permanently. But, uh, well, we got uh, the last home game of the year coming up, Harbin. So, we'll be down there. I don't know if you'll be going or not. Um, Kind of up in the air at this point probably. But uh, Negative Nice will be there. Um, so, we'll be down there on Saturday. Uh, we'll have our last tailgate of the year. If you're in the area, come by and see us. Last time – until next September, unfortunately, um, that we'll be on on campus watching a football game. So come by. Um, I hadn't looked at the weather yet. See what it looks like. Hopefully, it's good. Um, Three thirty kickoff. We'll we'll be down there at some point in the morning. Probably not as early as we were were this past weekend, but uh, uh, we'll be down there. Let's see weather on Saturday. Fifty five degrees and cloudy. Um, good football weather. So, yeah, if you're down there, uh, if you're going to the game this weekend, come by and see us. We'll hang out and uh, chat and uh, go from there. But uh, looking forward to one more game this year. Might be the last one for Negative Nice, but uh, we'll hopefully go out with a win this weekend. We got basketball this week. Check that out. Um, appreciate everybody listening. Remember, you can get us wherever you get podcasts. Uh, we're on YouTube. Post that video or post this episode on there. Um early this week so check us out there um if we don't see you any this week i hope everybody has a good thanksgiving um enjoy some good food football basketball this week go shopping i guess um if that's what you do i personally don't like doing that but uh um, i'll be hanging out probably doing a little work around the, the property and watching some football and basketball so uh but again hope everybody it's listening has a good Thanksgiving. Harbin, hope you're you and your family have one. Um, Day Day Ball, Big Montana, Brett, Griff, all of our special guests. Um, we'll be back next week to wrap up the Vandy game, wrap up the regular season, look kind of maybe make our predictions about where we go for a bowl game and what we're looking forward to in the off season and figure out what we're doing in between now and the bowl game. So um Anyways, appreciate everybody listening. Harbin, you got any last quick thoughts before we head out? Uh, best of Thanksgiving wishes, wishes to you and yours and to all of our listeners. Um, hope you all have a great extended weekend. Uh, I know some people don't do all of their festivities on Thursday. Some of them do Wednesday, Friday, Saturday as well. So yep. y'all have a good time. Watch football with fam uh, and some basketball. Feast week, like I said. Um, Everybody be good and be safe. Yes, sir. Well, we we really do appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, I didn't get to read the comments this week, but we'll get those next week. But send in some comments and questions. We'll try to answer them on the air. But uh, for Harb, I'm Negative Nice. We'll see you guys next week on the Section YY8 podcast. <laughs>